At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. It is time now for something positive. We might be headed to the promised land. The of promised speaking land, the truth the land, and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. problem can only be solved when there is a kind of coalition of conscience. Of conscience. Because conscience. that is how it works. This is the beginning. It is not the finale. And that's why we're here. And that's why we rally, 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 rally. We've got to be that creative minority. Creative minority. Creative minority. Find a way to get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. Frankly, I know we've got to do something. Yay, welcome back to Public Access America. I have some fun stuff to talk about. Not really fun stuff. Let's see. Should we talk about... Oh, hey, you mentioned something, by the way. And I couldn't wrap my head around it. Um, you 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 had mentioned that Joe Biden wants to have access to every $600 transaction in a bank account. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I did find that story, and the Treasury Secretary says it's any fluctuation of $600 in a bank account at the beginning and end of a year. Yep. I still don't like it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like, if you're going after millionaires because they're putting money in and out, then why is a $600 transaction up your ass, you know? Is this a millionaire or a billionaire? Is this a millionaire or a billionaire? So... Like it wasn't every transaction what I what I originally thought, but even fact checking and hearing it, like I heard it on uh, a news show. They had the assistant treasury secretary on or something to explain it, mm-hmm. and I just was like, that doesn't mean it's better. Like if you make, we're constantly saying if you make a law to trap one group, it's going to be used to trap another group, right? Like that's how Jim Crow worked. And now it sounds like the treasury just wants the ability to go after anybody, mm-hmm. including me. Mm-hmm. Not all like that. Yeah. Okay. And that's, you know, and, and they've been trying to revise that in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And the the reality was, is that any account that had $600 go through it, they're they want, they want details to be able to tax them. Right. Well, they want the, they want how much you had in your account at the beginning of the year and how much you had in your account at the end of the year. And if it's over $600 plus, then it's going to kick out and be reviewed additionally. And that's kind of freaky to me. You know what I mean? Which is like absolutely nothing. Like right. that's insane. That's insane. So yeah, okay. uh, I, the, the way that they're doing this is basically, you know, they sat down and, you know, they did, like I said, you know, the, and millionaires and billionaires will pay for it. It's starting to sound an awful lot like, and Mexico will pay for it just (laughs) for the left. (laughs) I didn't think it. No, they didn't. And no, it won't. (laughs) They're saying this is going to, this could raise $7 trillion. And I'm like, off of $600 transactions. This is crazy, right? Because we're going to get it from people who don't have any money. Right. And then what happens when a Republican is in office and he decides, mm-hmm. well, we're not going to look at the rich people's taxes like we're doing, like we're, we did under Trump, right? We're going to look at poor people's taxes. And what if they go back to that? Now they have the ability to get into my bank account, whereas they didn't before. You're not, you're not, protect, you're not making money from billionaires. <laughs> you're putting my accounts at risk for future administrations. Yep. Bingo. Fucking bingo. Speaking of bingo, uh, states spent over $89 million in COVID incentives, like the lotteries and stuff. And research shows during that time frame, 
um, the amount of people that got their vaccines because of it was next to zero. <laughs> yep. So giving somebody a gun or a million dollars isn't going to get um, people vaccinated. Nope. No. I mean, it was it was a feel good story for those of us who had already gotten vaccinated, mm -hmm. but the, but the issue at hand was never about uh, it was never about whether or not you know this incentive would work. Right. What it boiled down to is they needed to hear their own people talking about vaccines and how they work and right. how effective they are, and they didn't do that. They didn't do that. No, it didn't create a conversation that they thought it would create. No, it, it, well, it was never going to create a conversation. That's the funny part about this is it was oh. never, it was never going to create a conversation. The only thing that it was going to do was reward those of us that were early adopters. Not even because it came out after I got my vaccination and I was kind of butthurt about this. Like I could have gotten a hundred dollars if See, I had waited right and uh, you know every state did it differently for us you know for us in washington it was you know if you had it registered in the system gotcha so okay. every and so like it just you know it didn't it did not do what it needed to do and what it what needed to be done was the people who were experiencing hesitancy needed to have someone in their camp sit down with them and say look i get the issues that you're facing i get the concerns that you're having Let's, let's actually have the conversation and do this right. And that didn't happen. And instead you just got more of, well, just the Democrats, you know, rewarding Democrats for being Democrats. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, our reward was not dying of a preventable disease and yeah. maybe an Xbox. Maybe I would have, I would have killed for an Xbox. That sounds great. Series no, X. Yeah. It's gonna defound. It's gonna. It's gonna dumbfound historians to look back and realize that like seventy million people just didn't get the vaccine. It's just gonna dumbfound historians. You know. Absolutely, it will. And what it's basically, you know, I don't know what to tell people other than it's like uh, at a certain point, what's gonna happen is there's gonna be people who have had COVID. They're not gonna recover the way that they think that they're gonna recover, mm -hmm. and they're gonna blame it on the Democrats for whatever fucking reason. And it's not any of their faults. It's like you deciding that you thought you had an immune system is not the Democrats, you know, playing Mary Hell with you. Right. Trump. Trump cut the red tape to get a vaccine. And it was developed and they started putting it out under Trump's watch. Yep. Period. End of story. And it's been tested over a billion times. And then, you know, Joe Biden ramped up the ability for the vaccine to get dispersed. Right. Which I don't I necessarily think that Trump would have had any, any different plan necessarily. He didn't have a plan. He was just leaving it up to states to request as much as they wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, and that was just it is, is that Biden's like, look, we're going to put this in every grocery store that has a pharmacy period in mm -hmm. the story. You, you, you need to be able to just go walk into your grocery store and get your shot. And that's what happened with me. You know, I was right. able to walk into the grocery store and get a shot in my arm. Great. Fantastic. But if five weirdos are telling you as your president that herd immunity is going to work just as well as vaccinated herd immunity, you're like, okay, so there's no big rush. Either they get sick, like the Joe Rogan thought, either they get sick and get the antibodies or they get the vaccine and get the antibodies. So Trump, I think, was a little naive and being talked to by people that were a little naive. Oh, absolutely. So you know, and I mean, even when you look at what herd immunity looks like, I mean, even just look at something like the chickenpox pre-vaccine, mm -hmm. you'd think that at some point enough people would have had the chickenpox that the chickenpox wouldn't have been a thing. But every year we still had the chickenpox. Right. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not making excuses for Donald Trump. What I'm saying is trust but verify. Like, even if there was if, if no verify. If you're, if you're being told something, you, you need to do your own work. Like I know presidents read, read all night long. Like they have so many briefs to get through and to think that Donald Trump didn't go to opposing opinions. Like they always said, right? Like they always said, Donald Trump got like to get two sides in a room and let them battle it out. Where was the opposing view to anti-vaxxing, you know, to, there wasn't, there wasn't. Because 
because because that's the thing about when you surround yourself with your sounding board right in a, as a cabinet like he he was looking for yes men in his cabinet yep. there was no what they said putting two people in the room there wasn't there was give me my what i want to hear or get fired mm-hmm. yeah and that's and that's what happened consistently i was watching a show ancient aliens of course but it was about presidents that have you know um see witnessed ufos and ronald reagan was witnessed a ufo and they said his his one of his aides said we had to at every point get him to not talk about it <laughs> all the time we had to get him on, keep him on message and not make him talk about aliens <laughs> and i thought about donald trump like he didn't AIDS didn't do that for him. Like they were like, don't talk about that. And he was like, yep, that's all I'm talking about then. And that's how mm-hmm. I know that aliens don't exist because Donald Trump never told us they did. Yeah. If he would have gotten any information that we had aliens or alien technology, we yeah. would have never heard the end of it. Right. I mean, if there was aliens, he would have had an attack come so he could have stayed president. That's the truth. <clears throat> or what did Stephen Hawking say is that if aliens existed, if we had aliens, here on the planet mm-hmm. and uh, you have you would supposedly have all of these governments that know about it that means that all of these governments are doing a better job at keeping one secret than they have ever done at keeping any secret period right it's like Hilarious. it's like don't get me wrong like do i believe aliens exist absolutely do i believe that they've visited here doubtful i want them to in some way, shape, or form. But uh, then again, you know, I've also got the, are they here to make friends or are they here to gather resources? <laughs> right. Nope, I get so. it. I love watching those theories, but I'm always like, what are you talking? They always go a bridge too far, you know? Like, okay, you're making sense. And then they jump and then they go into, was it aliens? It, there's other theories. It doesn't have to be aliens. You know, <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. they did dig those rocks out of chicken bones and move them with a bunch of slave labor. You don't know. <laughs> well, and, and I've, and that's one of those things where it's like, you know, some people have a really hard time accepting the fact that a, a primitive group of people could have come up with a system that worked so effectively. Mm-hmm. It's like also too, when you think about timelines, when you've got millennia, you can do a lot of things over the course of, you know, right. You know, what was it? I want to say like the Egyptian empires were like somewhere on the order of like 1500, you know, BC to, you know, right up until Roman rule. Yeah. They're around for, they're around for a long time. they've been around 5,000 years now. So whatever that means, they're they're saying that the pyramids were actually based on uh, people that were there before the Egyptians. So you're always learning more Mm. things. And I think that's fascinating. Like, I love those. I love megalithic structures. I just think they're so cool. I don't have to analyze how they were made. I'm just so, I think they're so cool that they're there and they're all over the world. You can go anywhere and just see megalithic structures. And I like, we all brag about Stonehenge, but come on, that's like the least amazing one. (laughs) Right. You know, there's so many good ones out there. Mm -hmm. So Jeffrey. Yeah. Prison said it was COVID isolation, but the incarcerated people describe it as torture. Mm. Mm. So how do you take like the whole and suddenly say it's medical. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to get the story out there. So people started thinking Mm. what did happen in our prisons during COVID? You know what I mean? Well, uh, so this is a tough one because it is, uh, I know people who work in the prisons and I mean, to tell you COVID was ripping through there at a rate you wouldn't believe. Mm Mm-hmm. Almost, it was pretty much like ripping through the nursing homes, like when it first showed up. Right, but nobody cared. <laughs> nobody was like rushing to get the vaccine out for our elderly and incarcerated. Right, you know, and and I get it. Like, you know, they had to keep people away from each other because, like, 
if you think that a prison hospital has any sort of capacity whatsoever, none at all, it's it's pretty much next to zero. They, and if they require anything more than, you know, a quick checkup and a bottle of ibuprofen, Mm -hmm. they have to send them out period. And if they don't have anywhere to send them to, what the hell are you going to do? Right. So I get, I get why, you know, why prisoners think it was torture because isolation has been considered to be torture. Agreed. Yeah. Um, does that mean that, does that mean that, you know, prisoners should have been fully isolated or should they have had someone that they could buddy up with? Maybe unless you've got a, you know, got some real violent criminals and you know, you buddy one person up with another person. And when you show up in the cell the next morning, you've only got one person in the cell and a corpse. Mm Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if your prison is full of 500 inmates, three of whom, 300 of whom are nonviolent offenders, maybe you could let them out, put them on home arrest, like they did Michael Cohen. They did that in other other prisons with low yep. level offenders. They yep. just let them go home and put them on house arrest. But I mean, I I see that above putting them in a hole that you consider mm-hmm. torture at one point, but now you're saying is medically relevant. That's my issue. You didn't improve it. It's still a hole. Oh, it's, it's still terrible. Like, I mean, we've known that isolationism in prison is, Mm -hmm. is actually torture. We've known that since, what is it? Pennhurst. Right. Or, or was it Pennhurst or was it Eastern state? Uh, there was one that, uh, were basically the, it was out in Pennsylvania and it was basically the idea was it was a Quaker prison. And the idea was, is that you were left alone with God in order to get right. And turns out a bunch of people went fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. It's like, we've known that it's been that solitary confinement in a lot of ways is torture. Um, But at the same time too, like, you know, people also have to understand that some people are just so violent that you don't have any choice period in the story. Like they get around anybody else. They're straight up just going to do things that, you know, that somebody else is going to have to clean up after. Mm-hmm. Well, I totally get that. And like, I'm not opposed to that. It's just, if you had gotten rid of the low lining offenders, you might've had room to separate socially distance and have a, the problem is, is they didn't do all they could. They didn't, you can't look back and at the prison system and say, well, they tried everything and failed. They tried nothing and failed. And that's my issue. And it's because people don't matter. You know, those, well, pe- those people don't those, matter. Those, that group of people, like, well, and, and that's the other thing too, is, is that everybody did it differently by state too. Like here that's we sent true. home low, we sent home low level offenders. Mm-hmm. But if you're you a for profits prison system, you're not looking to get rid of these people. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. Nope. That's not going to happen. Right. So, I mean, that's where you have to look at the system and decide, you know, what it is that, what it is that you want to accomplish and what you're deeming as a violent offense. I'm sorry, but you know, putting people in jail because they're substance abusers is not the answer. Right. Like if they're, if they're, if they're, you know, on substances and committing like DV or murders or rapes or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. Sure. You got, you know, violent offense, but if these people are just, you know, fucking drug addicts and, and substance abusers and your only solution to them is to throw them in jail, then mm, right. going to have to go with, no, that's, that's definitely not going to help your case at all. And a lot fact, of people get busted for petty offenses, but then the drugs make it a felony. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, it's like, great. So now you've put people into what is essentially a traumatic experience and expect them to come out of it being clean and sober. Right. Got to go with, nope, that's probably not the way that that works. Mm-mm. I mean, not only do we have to rethink our prison system and our criminal justice system, but we really have to think about the treatment and gathering of the people that we're trying to shove in there, you know, and we talk about that all the time, but I want to make sure it stays on the table. Like prisoners are people too. Somebody, mm-hmm. somebody that does a violent crime, there's a reason they did it. It's a, uh, there's something in them and i think we need to learn what that is instead of just considering the person garbage we might not Mm -hmm. be able to fix the person but we'll be able to learn from them and in a good system we can give them more and more outlets of education 
so that they can continue growing as a person, even if they're a violent offender, you know? Well, and that's, and the reality is, is that you might not ever be able to rehabilitate a violent offender, mm-hmm. but you might be able to find out where the catalyst was and prevent others from becoming violent offenders. Exactly. Right. But we don't have a prison system built that way. We have Department of Punishments. What are you talking about? Right. It's not Department of Corrections. Because mm-hmm. clearly we're not about correcting people, getting them back into society. We're about punishing them and making sure they can't be in society. Right. And once you get past like Moses's 10 commandments, everything else is just to put people, <laughs> keep people in a prison system. You know what I mean? Not wrong. No, that's sad. And I just heard a story today in Tennessee, a judge, a, a independent judge started, they started, they're, they're locking kids up for minor infractions for like months. I think it was 291 years in this past year of sentences for kids that are like swearing or you know ditching class or something this judge is just locking them up i don't i don't have any information on it i just heard it as i was coming in here but it attaches to this like it's a they're seeing it as a for-profit juvenile system in tennessee and tennessee actually awarded 11 million dollars in compensations because of this and it's still going (laughs) yeah that's a terrible decision um yeah yeah like you know if if your answer to getting kids to go to school is to throw them in jail yeah that's definitely not going to work that you uh, because let's think about this logically for you know with one brain cell for half a second right what is prison ripe with gangs gangs violence. guess what kids are going to do in order to make sure that they stay alive in a prison system affiliate with a gang yay all you've done is just made sure that kids are now affiliating with groups that you Mm. don't want them to affiliate with you've solved the no you didn't you fucking morons but what you did is create something that you can consider a scapegoat later right like you oh, create no, they something won't. like as an adult, you can say, look, that's why they're in prison because they're bad. Not saying, Hey, we made them bad as children or finding out, Hey, what, you know, what was going on that, you know, the kid was missing class, mm-hmm. you know, that's just it is, is that, it, you know, if you don't have a consistent parental figure that can get you to class, or if you don't have a consistent way to get to school, or if you're struggling just at home and trying to you know just remain functional like everybody seems to think that when it comes to kids and behavior the answer is punishment and yes in certain circumstances punishment is absolutely appropriate but what people are failing to do is sit down and realize there's more than one way to work with a kid Every kid needs something a little bit different to get them on, on, on a, on a, what you would call a straight and normal. Every kid has different needs. How do you know that this kid is just struggling to function? You know, like when they get to class, they're just struggling because there's too much going on and it just drives them crazy. You know, how do you know that that's not the issue? How do you know that, you know, they can't get to school because they don't have consistency in either you know getting to school from a parent you know Mm -hmm. they don't have parents home they don't have food at home they can't get themselves out of bed they're you know whatever it is or you know they live a they're living such a destitute life at home that you know this kid is literally doing whatever it takes to bring money home to put food on the table because just surviving every day not thinking about a week a month or a future right so the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, if your simplistic answer is to throw kids in jail and that ought to fix it, mm-hmm. man, what you have done is created far more problems than you will ever understand. Right. That's not sparing the rod to spoil the child. You know what I mean? No, that's, that's spoiling the child. And so that way you can give them the rod later. Right. Um, there's this theory in education to where resources are, are diverted to the people with the most potential and the people that determine the people with the most potential are generally Caucasian and see it in Caucasian, like disabled people aren't worth the resources, right? Black people, they're just already, they're already broken. So they're not worth the resources. Latinos, they're always going to be Latino. You can't educate a Latino to be white. So (laughs) I think 
I think there's a disparity there in what we see potential in. I think of James Baldwin, you know, and I think to myself, what if he didn't get an education? What if he just stayed a backwards um, cabbage picking black guy? And that scares me. You know, and, and I think, I think what, what it comes down to is, is that you've got some old school ideologies when it comes to teaching that it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, the kid who's gifted, you need to spend all the time in the world on them. I was one of those kids and I hated that because it's like, you know, look, I'm here because I understand this stuff. This is literally second nature to me. It's like, focus on these guys because, you know, I'm doing this by myself. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yep. And this was, and this was in a, and this was in the, you know, pre technology available area era, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had, I had a computer in my homeroom and I could use it to look up different things, but it wasn't like it is now where like, literally, like if I have, if I'm so far advanced, my teacher could literally be like, all right, jump on the computer, jump on your Chromebook that you get. Mm -hmm. And you're going to go do all these lessons. You know, this group of kids, you're going to go do your, you know, we're going to work with you. Or, you know, flat out, like my teacher, my science teacher would pair us up with kids who weren't quite as uh, gifted. So my... like for my biology class, it was like, you know, one kid, he was, he was a C average student, you know, always. Mm-hmm. But when we got into doing dissection, um, I, you know, he was like, he was far more skilled with a scalpel than I was. And, nice. you know being blind in my left eye, fine motor skills, definitely a problem, but he didn't understand where these muscles were or he couldn't figure that out. So for me, like I could easily understand the biology of the animal and show him where this was at. So literally he did the knife work and I sat there with him and I showed him where everything was. And he did all of the cutting and the labeling and all of that. Nice. My science teacher pulls me aside and he says, look, I, you know, the system that I've had in place, I should be docking you for not also doing the knife work. It's like, but the fact of the matter is this kid has an A in this class and he has never had an A in any class whatsoever. It's like, that's because what I'm doing is working. It's like, I don't question whether or not I can cut something up. He happens to be a lot better at it. He happens to be able to focus and have the finer points and the finer cuts than I do. And guess what? I'm going over this with him. I know where this stuff is. I can see it perfectly fine. He is being, he has been able to learn this stuff because I'm helping him get in there and see where it's at. And he's doing the work. It's like, I can understand where this is just by looking at it. He is doing it and learning it. Yeah. Kid got an A in that class. That was the first time he'd ever gotten an A in any class. That's so cool. Like, especially any advanced class. And you don't know what that sparks then. You don't know what he'll go on to do. You know, or, you know, and that's, and that's just it is, is that, you know, sometimes pairing someone up with a gifted kid, you know, that was the thing is, is that it didn't, it wasn't just, you know, for me, it wasn't just me being like, here, do this, do that and do the other, you know? Yeah. I understood it and I learned it very easily and I, you know, aced everything anyways, but I was also teaching somebody how to do something. And so it was reinforcing everything that I was learning very easily and helping this person learn just because you have a gifted kid in your class doesn't mean you necessarily need to separate them. What that means is that you have an asset that can help other kids. And I constantly did that. I did that in algebra. I did that. And I I did that in, yeah. So I did that in algebra uh, because I had a bunch of juniors and seniors and I was a sophomore and I taught them how to do all of this algebra. Um, I did that in, any number of my classes being a gifted kid and being isolated is the worst because once, because once I got into classes where I was the only student, I fell off because it was like, I didn't have something there to drive me. It was just me alone with a book. And that was a curse in and of itself. That's the story of my education. So I get, I didn't have competition or, or someone that I could help. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it was just like, you know, what am I going to do? It's like, could I sit down and, and, you know, give it my all? Sure. But that just wasn't who I was. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, and, and so I had languished, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and so being, being the person who is gifted, 
is only as good as their ability to apply it and the ways in which they can apply it. And if they can't, uh, and if they're, and if they're not doing it by themselves, figure out how they can help someone else with it. And I I guarantee you that you will find that it's so much easier to teach and spread knowledge by using, you know, kids who are literally no different than their peers around them, other than their ability to understand the information. Right. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Yeah, if half the kids were bright and half the kids weren't, they could work together on a test, you know what I mean? They, they would average each other out. But we separate. We say the gifted go into different classes so that we can keep the remedial kids in remedial classes without slowing down the, the smart kids. But I think it is. I think it's a large group gathered together. You know, mm-hmm. I never understood. Like I took political science. I didn't care. I didn't consumer math. I didn't care. I never understood how it related to my life. Algebra. Nobody sat there and taught me that, you know. And so I never saw why I needed I tested it as a genius. I just applied myself like crap. Nobody taught me how to apply myself, and I saw no reason to do it, you know? You know, I was called the lackadaisical genius um, by a couple of my teachers. It's like they knew I was smart, and they knew that I could handle pretty much anything they got thrown at me. Mm-hmm. I just didn't care enough in a lot of cases. I was yeah. more interested in either sleeping or fucking around. Exactly. Cause I don't know. I, I get what you're saying already. Why do I got to be here? I had a, a teacher. He told me if you just come to my class, I'll, I'll pass you. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I don't so, want that. I don't I just So I, uh, yeah, I guess that's amazing, so, but that's yep. how you teach kids. You can't put us all in a box like that. And you need to start taking um, prisoners out of the boxes. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't like that. Oh, you know, you think to yourself, if you're going to go to prison, you want solitary confinement, but prisoners, I don't want them in it. You know what I mean? No, you don't. Yeah. You really well, I don't. think, I think what I'd like is to talk to some prisoners and find out what, what is good and bad. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I shouldn't speak from this like activist sort of pious well, sort of like, I know, I don't know. I've never been to prison. I've only seen TV shows. So I well, just want the best for a human. All I can do is say humans need better. And that's just it is, is that you, you can't even look at it from a, what should have, what should prison have been? You mm-hmm. have to look at it in terms of what should prison have prepared you for when you got out? Yeah. What, what should you have had for, uh, resources once you got out? Mm-hmm. What, what should society have done once you got out? Right. You know, cause, cause here's the thing is, is that even still, you can do all of the reform work necessary. And if you're still not allowed to actively participate in society as a whole, right. On the whole, it doesn't matter. Like all of, all of that work that you can do, but have no opportunities when you come out the other side means jack shit. That's right. Bernie Sanders said they cost 85,000 to house an inmate. It costs 35,000 to send them to college. So why aren't our prisons more like college? I mean, you still have the hardcore defenders and the max secure federal max securities and stuff, but for your basic person that's just gone the wrong direction in life why can't our prisons have a rehabilitation center attached to a um, class mentality or a trade school mentality why can't a prison in missouri teach somebody how to fix a tractor instead of how to make a license plate you know what i mean i can't you know and and if you're going to do that if you're going to do that then yes sure there has to be some probation to make sure that everybody's keeping up like the idea of probation should be that you know you can't expect people to come out and be 100% successful people are right. going to people are going to fail and if your goal is to get people back into a, a jailhouse probation oftentimes just just exactly that right but 
if you can help continue to set someone up to succeed, say, look, you know, I get why you did that, but you can't do that. If you want to continue to succeed, if you want right. to get away from this, you can't be doing this, mm-hmm. you know, but what if probation was a classroom instead of a meeting, you know, furthering your education once you got out of prison and attending class once a week, that's your probation. You show up, you're fine, you're good, you pass the tests, we're good, you know what I mean? Or, or probation, you know, like I like the idea of probation as a classroom, but mm-hmm. it's just that, you know, prior to your probation class, it's a, hey, what do you, what are you missing in order to be successful? What right. are you needing? Home ec? In order, you know, what do you need? Home ec, um, you know. Consumer math, the basics, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know what, do, what do we need to figure out? Because we shouldn't have people continuously on this, you know, stuck in the system, even once they're done. Like, right. If they are out of prison, the idea should be that they have served their time Mm -hmm. and that you're checking up on them to make sure that they are successful in staying out of prison. Period. End of story. Like, I don't like, I don't like probation the way that it is. No. It's like, cause if, cause if you're convinced that they're not ready to be out yet, then they shouldn't be out period end of story right, right but if they are ready to be out then what you need to be doing is you need to be working with them to make sure that they are developing the skills the tools and the connections that they need in order to stay out that's a good point why do we why do we have probation supervision halfway houses if they're not ready to leave they shouldn't leave yeah if 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 you're deeming them not safe enough to right. be able to make decisions on their own, then they probably shouldn't be out. That right. said though, like what, what does that really do though? It's like, okay, you're out. Don't screw up. Mm-hmm. Oh, you screwed bucks. up. Bam. Yeah. You're back in jail. Whereas it's like, Hey, you know, we don't want you back here. It's like, right. We don't, I mean, that should be the answer is that we don't want you back here. That, but my question is like, Everybody that commits a crime wants to know why they did, why they're in that situation, how to get out of it. So you never know what education is going to create an epiphany about their circumstances. A murderer might take a philosophical class and realize that, wow, what I did was immoral, right? Mm -hmm. And then you bash him in the head and kill him. (laughs) There's that. But that's what happened to Jeffrey Dahmer. He's like, I found God. This is great. Oh, I'm such a bad person. And then somebody beat him in the head with a baseball bat. And I was like, thank you. Now he knows what he did was wrong before he died. You know what I mean? That's what I hope is that people learn their mistakes, learn from their mistakes. I mean, that's what any of us hope is, is that there is that the, you know, a kid learns from their mistakes, that a person Mm -hmm. learns from their mistakes. But the reality is, is that unless yeah. you're saying this is the mistake and this is how you avoid making it in the future, and here's how we set you up for success so you don't make that mistake again, you know, if you're not doing that, then none of it matters. None of it yeah. matters in the least. Well, you have we- to, you have to give people the tools that they need in order to not screw up, not just right. tell them don't screw up. Their individual needs, not based on an average. This right. man might need this. This man might need that. And bleeding hearts, just throwing money at, a, at something to solve their conscience doesn't work. We can throw all the money we want at it and give it to people that are going to do the wrong things with it. That doesn't mean you should feel good about that. You know, like give me some, give me someone who's busted their ass knowing that they've screwed up. But mm-hmm. are but as putting in the work to ensure that they don't, right. you know, not not just them being afraid that they're going to screw up, or just you know giving up and saying, yeah, I'm going to fuck up and I don't mm-hmm. care anymore. If I'm going to fuck up now or fuck up later, I might as well save myself the stress, right? Exactly. Whereas it's like you know the idea should be that you know if you're out, you're out. Right. And we're going to make sure that you get the tools and, you know, you're not going back in unless you commit another crime. Right. Right. And if you commit another crime, okay, that's, that's a different story. If you're committing violent crimes, I should say, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're in the least bit concerned that they're going to fuck up and you're not giving them the tools to succeed, I mean, really, what, what are you hoping for? What is your, what is your hope? Right. And I would say that the system is working as it is designed. 
That's the problem is the design. And I think even the most violent of offenders need a continuing education. They need an, uh, they need access to the continuing education. Even if, mm-hmm. even if we deem them unsuitable as a human, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have the avail- availability to continue being a human, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I have this dream of this prison complex that's just like people. There's a prison aspect to it. But there's classes and trade schools and all this stuff with, you know, elementary schools where grown adults can go to learn and advance. And maybe people go there, maybe kids, juveniles go there too. And, you know, it's this great thing. And the further you get up the ladder, the less restraint you have until one day you walk out with a degree, you know, you're like, wow, I didn't even realize I was in prison that whole time. I'm a better person. That's my dream. You know, you know, if people can walk out with with a with a degree or a skill that they can immediately walk into another job to, right? Absolutely. Right. That's exactly. that's the trick with this. Is is that, you know, I I do believe that education should be accessible to all, but mm-hmm. the idea that you know, I could see where people are going to do the whole like, if you don't get this degree, you're not getting out of prison. Right, right. And if you don't it, get this trade skill, you know, if you don't get this trade skill certification, you're not getting out of prison. Right. And that's not the answer either. No, it isn't because there's people that aren't going to get out even if they get that degree. And right. there's people that are going to be able to get that degree because they've already learned that stuff. Exactly. You know, and and what it boils down to is is that, you know, if they don't have the opportunity to walk out into the world mm, and Right you know, be like, yeah, I screwed up. I made some dumb mistakes in my life and I've paid my time for it. And now I'm here to, you know, move past all of that. Right. It's like, I knew some people who were great at what they did, but they decided, you know, they made choices that fucked up their life. And when they finally got, and when they finally got themselves back on solid footing, they couldn't go back to what they were really good at doing. Right. I know people that committed felonies in their twenties that are still living them down in their fifties, you know, and that's, you know, and unfortunately that, that shouldn't be a thing. Mm -mm. Like if you're actually going to call it the department of corrections, then you have to trust that the system has corrected the behavior and that they are now free to operate within society. Otherwise, otherwise it's, you know, uh, I would argue that it falls. I would, uh, I would argue that it falls under, you know, the cruel and unusual punishment that all you're doing is making sure that they are now a slave to the system and Mm -hmm. actual, you know, they're literally that, you know, because slavery is an acceptable punishment uh, for crimes. It's slavery with extra steps. Yep. Yep. Most everything is, isn't it? That's what I'm figuring out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, that's my dream. All right. Oh, you know, I kept looking at what time it was and I kept seeing 17, but it's October 17th. The clock's right next to it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. I wanted to, oh, okay. Let's, let's get onto the, the story that I like, because this is our jam, Jeffrey. This one is our jam. Biden, 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 Biden's, Biden, Biden seeks to uh, spearhead new attack on supply chain delays. Yep. This is our jam. This is our shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so um, he's meeting with uh, corporate leaders and labor leaders to see how we can get this done. Do you have any opening thoughts on this? Have you thought about this at all? Um, I mean, honestly, the biggest issue that you're going to have is, is that whatever positions that are going to be necessary to fill, Mm -hmm. you got to make sure that they're getting paid at the living wage in order for people to want to take those positions, that they're getting the appropriate benefits that they need in order to take those positions that, and and that really, you know, we need to make sure that fundamentally that we're not requiring anything that is above and beyond what is necessary in order to take these positions. You know, it's like, don't get me wrong. I, I do believe in education, but I don't think somebody needs a, a four-year degree in order to do a lot of this stuff. Right. Well, let's get, let's get back. Um, Biden says that the supply chain was disrupted because of the pandemic was the pandemic the reason that our supply chains are the way they are right now um the start yes the current no okay so the start of it yes because you know everybody went into lockdown everybody went home Mm -hmm. and so that slowed everything down absolutely and as things have started picking back up 
um, you've got a multitude of different reasons why things aren't picking back up the way that you expect. Right. And this is something that has been discussed multiple times in multiple ways. So for example, you know, everything from, you know, there's the people are being incentivized to stay home because of, you know, whatever unemployment benefits that they got. Mm -hmm. People are taking jobs in different sectors because they are not going to bust their ass for less than a minimum, you know, a, a living, living, a wage, living right? minimum wage. Yeah. Yep. You know, and so basically it's, it's incumbent upon those organizations to figure out how to bring in those people or, you know what, maybe it's that our policies of having immigrants unavailable to us is costing us the ability to get ships unloaded and get shit moving. I agree. Do you think the Panama blockage had any factor in this? Uh, you mean the Suez blockage? the suez yeah sorry about that uh i mean that one had a uh, that one did have a seven day effect a, a slowdown mm -hmm. um but no globally this is you know like the west coast is just completely backlogged with sh cargo ships that are needing to be unloaded in, in this country you're facing a shortage of uh shipping yard workers and you're fa facing a shortage of truck drivers and transportation and so it's more than, ahead of the curve on this story i love so it. it's it's more than just you know the ships the ships are suddenly flooding in it's that there's legitimately a loss of there's legitimately a loss of things that are uh, you know we're, we're lacking resources to be able to move things around you know you know whether it's we don't have enough trains moving goods across the country or we don't have enough truck drivers you know what i mean hey there's a bunch of kids out there that want to get their cdls and start driving around the country and see a bunch of shit while also taking cargo great okay do you think but trump, trump's tariff war had an effect and when he issued the demand for people to change their supply chains back then do you think any of that has a, an effect on this it might have some but a lot of those tariffs are actually still in effect so yeah. i just remember him saying hey apple you got to shorten your supply chains and that everybody said well this is going to disrupt everything and now we're two years later and i just want to remind people that there was people were tinkering with this system before covid you know what yep. i mean I don't so mm -hmm. so I don't think that I don't think Trump's policies there did anything with with that because the tariffs are still there and in place. If the tariffs had been lifted and suddenly we were seeing a flood of of uh, yeah. goods returning to the market because mm -hmm. they've been tariffed, that would be another. But it's the, since the tariffs are still in place, the answer is no. I just didn't know if like the the supply chains were disrupted because we were in the middle of shortening them. You know what I mean? Like, cause we always talk about shorten the supply chains, bring these companies to the Mezzo Southern Mesozoic re regions. And, you know, let's start working with our partners and allies and neighbors in the region. And the only supply know, chains that we're really looking at shortening are um, required medical equipment. We're looking at having that produced in the country mm -hmm. and um, semiconductors. We're looking at having those produced in the country. Right. Um, and really that's about it and most of this other stuff is you know just your standards that everyday people are buying i got you so okay yeah well here's your jam large companies are saying that they want to expand hours and days so that they could move more items and um i want to know if these companies are going to be compensating people for their time you know what i mean I want to know if employees with, uh, are they going to get overtime, job security? Are they going to get benefits, paid leave, and the promise of a pay structure that rises with inflation, cost of living, and company profits? Do you think that's going to happen? <laughs> well, basically where you're at now is, is that um, you have a labor shortage in the market. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, yeah, they want to, they're like, yeah, we're going to hire people to work around the clock. Uh, so you can't fill the positions that you have. So you're going to expand the time slots to also not fill the positions that you That's have. That's my, yeah, right. Are you going to, are you going to create like the Walmart version four hour, no benefit shift and just pour people in there and break their bodies? Or are you going to actually reform the pay structure? So people want the jobs. I think it, I, it, it's it's hard to say. I yeah, mean, I know. 
to me, it's one of those things where I think that ultimately what's going to happen is, is that you're going to have to change your, your work structure, whatever mm-hmm. it is, <clears throat> whether it's you're going to have to have more work from home or you're going to have to have um, more scheduling flexibility, I think is really the big one. Right. Just because, you know, you're going to have a number of people who can't work the eight to five that you're expecting. Right. Um, so prices are high because of the the bottlenecks if the bottleneck if the bottlenecks are relieved do you think prices are going to go back down to pre-covid levels some will yes yeah you think some. so like not wood, all wood and stuff like that mm, yeah um that's more a function of wood wood tends to be more a function of policy mm-hmm. and and unfortunately when i mean I, I will say this unfortunately when the democrats are in office um their anti-forestry policies tend right. to make make new construction harder. It's why you see booms during Republican eras because I they gotcha. they relax forestry. And and what it boils down to is is that you know we keep having this discussion of what forest management looks like, and we're not allowing forage management uh, forest management to happen the way that it needs to. You know, we have a, we have so many resources and in the face of so many wildfires and so much climate change, we need to have the ability to do what we need to do with the forest systems that we have um, to maintain number one, you know, wildlife, because guess what? these wildfires that are ripping through they're destroying pressures wildlife too and endangered species but targeted forestry and a good forestry policy is also going to relieve two of those stresses number one the stress of needing wildland firefighters to handle all of these wildfires that we're seeing in the face of climate change but number two these spikes in prices of wood you know of lumber uh products because the lack of availability and we're having to import all of these lumber products from other countries good forestry practices in the western part of the country would solve would would do more to solve those two problems because the reality is is that you might have this notion that oh these companies are just going to come in and clear cut yeah, if you don't put any rules behind it, absolutely they can. But if you put a bunch of rules behind it, it's like here's where you can cut, here's where you can't cut, here's where we're going to keep some old growth, here's where you know you're going to be able to cut down, here's how you have to maintain the land once you've cut it down. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that you can't have working forests is just absolutely insane. That's what Florida is. Northern Florida is all working forests. It'll be a, a field one day. It'll be trees the next day. You know what I mean? That's how they do it. And that's and that's how it should be done. Is is that you you need to have the systems in place in order to because if you don't clear these fuels, when these wildfires come ripping through, what do you expect? Bunch of down fuels, bunch of old dead trees. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening is you end up having these fires burn hotter than they should, and they end up sterilizing the ground that they burn over. Wow, I didn't even think of that. So, I mean, that's the reality is, is that, yes, you, you need, you know, there are areas that absolutely need prescribed burns and you can still prescribe those burns and still make that happen. But if you allow all of these fuels to build up, and especially when you hit a really fucking dry year like we had, if, if things had gone off like 90 days without rain, if things had gone off after about day 60, oh man, this place was a tinderbox. Luckily it didn't, and we're very lucky that it didn't, but heavy fuels and lots of fuel is going to lead to hotter fires. It's going to sterilize the land. And you see that constant, you do see that consistently in places that are mismanaged. And we have a outdated infrastructure system traveling through our forests that can just randomly cause fires. So we're going to work on that too. Mm Mm-hmm. So Joe Biden says we just need to work harder. We need to work longer. And I just don't think he understands that years of him being in the Senate, um, creating laws for lobbyists that work for corporations that undermine the employee's ability to have a living wage is what put him in this situation. Like you were talking about the that there's a lack of truck drivers. Like people aren't going to jump in their trucks because Joe Biden says so right 
and you're yeah. not compensating people. That's why they're leaving in mm -hmm. droves because you're not paying them enough and work on paying people more. I haven't heard in any of this supply chain de bottlenecking increased wages. I haven't heard anybody mm -hmm. speak like we need to treat our employees better. They're just saying, go, go work overtime. And I've had managers like that my whole life. Go, go work, work harder. Can you work harder? No, pay me more. <laughs> like, hell no. It's like, I've got, I've got shit that I want to do. I got life that I want to live. Right. Exactly. But that's, that seems to be what it is. It's always the rich guy asking the poor guy to work a little harder because he has a problem. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think Joe is a working guy. I just don't think he understands what's happened to the working man's what the, what companies do, what companies try with like these four hour shifts, not not having health care, like not paying your employees enough Disney so that you're they're unemployed, but then have to come to work every day and climb into that suit. You know, it's like right. you've spent you've spent 50 wait, we're up to like 70 years now of just attacking the employees rights. And now you're wondering why nobody wants to help you de-bottleneck a supply chain that shouldn't even be bottlenecked because it should have been shortened already. You know what I mean? Right. So help, help me fix my problem because I don't want to. That's what it sounds like to me. And it just irritates me. I know it has to be fixed. And I know we're Americans and we're going to do it. And I know we're not going to get compensated after. We're going to get a hearty pat on the back on TV. And then <laughs> we're going to move on to another crisis we're not even, I, you, I'm, I'm glad you think that we're going to get the hearty pat, uh, pat on the back on tv because i don't even think we're going to get that <laughs> well he's going to have a, a speech saying americans did it we did it no you didn't do it you just told somebody else to do it that's the way i feel about management he just sounded like he just sounded like management to me go yep. work your overtime it's not going to be overtime, Joe. They're going to make like four-hour shifts, six-hour shifts, so nobody gets overtime. They're just going to bring in uh, lower-wage employees to do the job half-assed because they're not trained enough, and then you're going to blame it all on the other people that have been there longer. I know how management and you know workers work. That's my mm -hmm. life. Yep. So Yeah. I don't know. We should work on shortening the supply chains. If we're going to have these bottlenecks, we should prevent them in the future. It seems like we're not preventing them. We're just, we're just, um, shifting them with... to a new place. Yeah. We're just shifting the problem to a new place. And it seems like every other problem the government has, Hey, help us fix it, but we're not going to do anything to help you. So, yep. Sounds about right. So, um, people are saying Walgreens are closing all over San Francisco because of widespread theft but the data says it isn't widespread theft and walgreens is looking to close five stores and those five stores on average have had about two thefts a year have you heard anything about this or should we just move on it sounds i haven't like a heard san anything francisco about this story. it sounds like a san francisco story and i mean in i mean reality wise every store has theft built into their profit model Period. Mm -hmm. End of story. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, you asked me to, well, no, I told you I needed to, and you told me we needed to. So constitutional conversation, Jeffrey, I'm trying to read the constitution and I can't mm -hmm. get past, I can't get past the first line because it really bugs me. It says we, the people of the United States in order to form a perfect union, establish justice. And I can't get past that. <laughs> Welcome to most people who claim to know the constitution. I'm, I mean, I'm trying, I'm really trying to, I'm wrapping my head around. What does that mean? Establish justice in a country where certain people were three fifths, you know? Well, and that's, and I mean, one of the things that you ha just have to keep in mind is, is that, you know, established justice is, is, uh, is an ongoing goal. It's not a, it's not a destination. Okay. And I, I guarantee you that, you know, the next piece of justice that we establish, there's going to be a next one that we're going to have to fight for. You know, once, once, you know, black people are treated as equals to white people, then we're going to move on to the LGBTQ crowd. And it's just going to be this ongoing work of what does, what does justice sure. actually look like? I, and, and because that, that, that has changed so much over time, 
you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where you're never done. Justice Good. is never done. Okay. But we're still striving for it. Yep. Okay. I love that. That's about all I have. I don't want to get too deep in it. I, I did make a note for article one section one. There's a lot of stuff in that. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think we really need to go through the ins and outs, but the preamble is important because it says we, the people, and that's you and me. That's like they were gonna they were gonna make create a government, and the people were like, "We don't want it," and they were like, "But we need it," and the people were like, "We don't want it." But here, here, here's our here's our contract. Mm-hmm. We'll take your government, but it can only do certain things, and it can't do other things. And so I think people need to learn the Constitution because it is our contract with a government that's trying to subvert the contract. So that's yep. about it. All right. I guess I'll ask about movies. Anything good? I'm watching Midnight Mass right now on Netflix. What is that? What's Midnight Mass? You atheist? so if you so if you know uh, what the haunting of Hill House and the haunting of Bly Manor is, mm-hmm. it's the next. It's the next one in that in that group of of uh, series. The it's haunting of Hill House a Netflix thing. Yes. Haunting of Hill House is a Netflix thing. That's awesome. And okay. Same with Haunting of Bly Manor. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm started on that, and so okay. far I'm liking what I'm seeing. It's going to be I interesting. I can't wait to dig into this even more. I love that. Um. Do you know anything about the Panama Papers? Uh. Yes. Okay. I, do. I watched. Uh. I watched that documentary. Oh, I haven't watched the documentary on it yet. But I was. I remember the initial hack. Yeah. Right, right, I, and it was it was really more about the journalists than the the amount the information in it. It was more about the 160 journalists getting together to do this story, and they're still digging into it. And I thought it was I was thought it was interesting. What I thought was really interesting was that Donald Trump appeared in it over three thousand times. Oh, you, they don't care. That, that group I know, isn't care. it amazing how people don't care about certain things, but then just care about the other things, like the things mm-hmm. that are just bullshit rhetoric that Donald Trump turned red yelling at immigrants, you know, mm-hmm. no, but the meaningful stuff about him having money and shell corporations that are being slid around the world and filled by nefarious people. No, that's no big thing. We don't want to get into that, but he was in there. Yep. I mean, every person that has money is in there. I guarantee you. <laughs> you know, it isn't as widespread in United States politics, but there is. There's a lot of man. The Danish, who the Danish prime minister got busted in that. What? Uh, not Tony Blair. One of the David Cameron. He got, David Cameron. Yeah, he got. I mean, a lot of people got caught up in that, and I'm just. Mm-hmm. I think it's not here because, well, we can just hide it. We don't have to pay taxes anyway. So why bother hiding anything? You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. All right. I love you. How's Debbie? Oh, Debbie's doing great. We're all, like I said, we all got, we all got colds and, you know, everybody's recovering. So. Okay. Well, I appreciate all of you very much. Glad you're on the planet. Yeah. To those who would tear. We will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. Ask not. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. I, poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome.
to public access America. Yes, we can. Sunday live stream time, YouTube. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher, Radio Public, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.